You are tuned to KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, December 29th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Nevada County is soon to be under a flood watch as heavy rains are poised to bear down on Northern California. The California Report takes us to the Pebble Plains, an ecosystem where plants that have survived for a million years are suddenly succumbing to climate change. In our Vocal Village segment, KVMR's Julia Jem takes the pulse of Western Nevada County as the new year looms. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. On the tops of the San Bernardino Mountains in Southern California lies plants that exist nowhere else in the world. The Pebble Plains ecosystem is more than a million years old. It's an old expert at adapting to a changing climate, yet it's dying out faster than ever before. KCRW's Kaylee Wells brings us this story about the last of an ancient ecosystem and the people trying to save it. You have to get down on your hands and knees to really appreciate. Timothy Krantz is squatting among small, hard rocks beneath the blinding light of the unprotected sun to look at a thin blanket of plants that dare to live in such an unforgiving home. He's an environmental studies professor at the University of Redlands and the expert on the Pebble Plains. They've existed here for at least a million years, and in that time, they've experienced perhaps a half dozen ice ages. During ice ages, the thick clay soil would freeze and push out tree roots, leaving room for these teeny tiny plants to take hold. The biggest buckwheat plants aren't more than a foot wide and their silver leaves shine like a jacket reflector. They share space with flowers in full bloom that are just two millimeters, roughly the thickness of a dime. Bright red petals, long skinny leaves that look like spiders, flowers that form a perfect white circle, all within arm's reach as we sit crisscross applesauce on the top of a mountain 7,000 feet above sea level. The biodiversity per square foot of this pebble plain can easily exceed 20 species. It's unrivaled. They're so resilient and perfectly adapted for this environment. As the climate continues to warm, more than a third of plant and animal species face the threat of extinction in the next 50 years. Paleontologist Myrene Belisi says this level of extinction isn't new, but this time around, it's caused by humans. She's the curator at the Raymond Museum of Paleontology in Claremont. As a planet, we have gone through five mass extinctions over the last hundreds of millions of years. And, you know, we are undergoing a sixth mass extinction at the moment. So for a million years, the climate changed and these plants froze and thawed and thrived until they face a new problem. You're standing, actually this was mitigation for that, what, 160 homes, I think. Jim Miller is the unofficial leader of the effort to save the Pebble Plains. He wrangles all the nonprofits and agencies working to preserve it. He says 15 years ago, the biggest threat was a local real estate broker who saw the treeless, flat surface as a perfect place to build. In the end, the Pebble Plains were saved, not by scientists, but by the housing market. Uh, There was some wildlife conservation money available, and they did an appraisal, and he was fairly happy with the amount. And the economy wasn't really supporting that type of development at the time, and they sold. The housing market crashed, and the Pebble Plains survived. 
Now it's surrounded by fences and signs begging hikers not to touch them. All of that would make for a happy ending for the Pebble Plains, but... Even where they're fully protected, we're seeing that they're dying off right in our midst. Krantz says as the warm days get warmer, he's seeing half the plants just die. During summer months, it'll exceed 140 degrees. You could literally fry an egg on it. And so these resilient plants that have survived for a million years are only now starting to succumb to climate change. And this time, there isn't much else he can do to save them. It's incredibly sad. I I feel helpless that what can we do, even when these are protected and fenced and, and fully secured, we're losing them. I've spent most of my life trying to work on protecting this unique ecosystem. To Krantz and Miller, the thought of losing them forever is a tragedy. Belisi, the paleontologist, says, yes, it's bad news for the species that fall victim to extinction. But she feels confident that life will go on. I think that the fossil record shows us that life does recover if we let it. I don't really have any doubt that it will rebound from this sixth mass extinction that is happening right now. As for Krantz, he knows he can't protect the Pebble Plains from climate change. But that won't stop him from trying anyway. For The California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Big Bear. Support for The California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. During the holidays, many people spend time with their loved ones and also enjoy food that is celebrated in their cultures. Think tamales for Latin American families or the Feast of the Seven Fishes. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi says Japanese-American families often celebrate the New Year in their own way with mochi. Many Japanese families take part in the annual tradition of mochisuki. That's the pounding of rice to make mochi, a Japanese rice cake. In San Jose's Japantown neighborhood, it's been a tradition for decades. We view mochisuki as kind of a, uh, an intergenerational project where, where we're handing down this tradition that uh, maybe started in Japan, came to the United States, grew up on the farms, That's Dale Sasaki, chairperson for the Mochitsuki event in San Jose. Mochi is often eaten as part of ozoni, a Japanese soup. I remember growing up in San Jose and eating that and other traditional Japanese food on New Year's morning. Jane Kawasaki is board president of UI Kai, a nonprofit senior center in San Jose. She says along with eating mochi, it's traditionally used as a good luck charm in Japanese households. The belief is that the Shinto gods dwell in the kagami mochi during New Year's. And so that's why you see, you know, two two mochis and a, and a mandarin orange in many households, anywhere where you want to bring the good luck from the gods. San Jose's event is taking place today. There will also be a mochisuki event in L.A.'s Little Tokyo neighborhood on January 8th. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
that's the California Report for Thursday, December 29th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. The legal uncertainty around President Biden's student loan forgiveness program is bringing fraudsters out of the woodwork. California News Service has some practical advice if you think you could be the target of a student debt scam. Scammers targeting student loan borrowers are shifting into high gear, spurred by the uncertainty surrounding President Joe Biden's debt cancellation plan. The Supreme Court will hear a case in late February that seeks to strike down the administration's plan to offer up to $20,000 in debt relief to low-income student loan borrowers. Federal Trade Commission attorney Michelle Grajales says fraudsters are playing on people's anxieties. I would say a major red flag is any company that calls you up and asks you to pay now for help with your loans later because that's something that's specifically prohibited under one of the rules we enforce, and so it is really unlikely to be a legitimate company. The president's debt cancellation plan is currently on hold while the litigation continues, so the government is not processing any applications. The website of the U.S. Department of Education, studentaid.gov, has a link where you can sign up to be notified if the program is restarted. The pause on federal student loan payments has been extended until the litigation is resolved. The best place to start for accurate information about your loans is to contact your federal loan servicer. Some scams promise to reduce or zero out your monthly payment, and some target parents who have co-signed on Parent PLUS loans. Grijalis says the old adage applies. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So it could be loan forgiveness. It could be, hey, pay us X amount and we'll get your loans forgiven right now, or we'll get you some large amount of your principal balance forgiven or canceled, right? And that might be a benefit that the consumer doesn't actually qualify for. She adds that other scams are circulating where they purport to be your loan servicer and ask that you route your payment through them. Other scams are intended primarily to get people to divulge their personal identity or banking information. For more tips, go to the Federal Trade Commission website. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. In regional news, when the police shine a spotlight on your car, it's not necessarily a traffic stop. That's the broad outline of a decision issued today by the California Supreme Court. It ruled 5-2 to two that a police spotlight on a vehicle does not necessarily constitute detention under the Fourth Amendment. As reported in today's Sacramento Bee, the court held that, quote, a reasonable person would distinguish between a spotlight and red and blue emergency lights in considering whether the person was free to leave or otherwise terminate the encounter. The court majority, in making the ruling, declared that courts must consider the use of a spotlight as part of the total circumstances to determine whether it's a police stop. In its ruling, the majority stated, It is certainly possible that the facts of a particular case may show a spotlight was used in an authoritative manner. These may include flashing lights at the driver to pull the car over or attempting to blind the driver, which would be relevant considerations under the totality of the circumstances. But the use of a spotlight standing alone does not necessarily effect a detention. The decision comes in a case in which a San Joaquin County Sheriff's deputy pulled up behind a car with three people inside, appearing to smoke something. The deputy illuminated the vehicle with a spotlight. 
The defendant later was arrested and charged with possession of opiates and marijuana with intent to sell. In his dissent, Justice Goodwin Liu wrote, I imagine this conclusion comes as news to anyone who has ever had their car illuminated by a police spotlight. Liu added that no reasonable person would feel free to leave under such circumstances. The nightmarish travel conditions brought on by an extreme winter storm and faulty technology at Southwest Airlines should end Friday, the beleaguered airline said today. That's according to reporting by the San Francisco Chronicle. After a days-long fiasco stranded thousands of passengers and separated many of them from their luggage, Southwest said in a statement today that the airline expected to return to normal operations with minimal disruptions on Friday. Southwest said today it was still operating at about one-third of normal. More than 2,300 Southwest flights were canceled today, according to FlightAware, which tracks airline cancellations. Turning to the regional forecast, the National Weather Service has issued a flood watch from late Friday afternoon through 4 a.m. New Year's Day due to heavy rainfall in much of Northern California. Rain will increase tonight and continue through Saturday. Sunday is expected to clear by midday for New Year's Day. Another storm with colder temperatures will arrive early next week. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, temperatures will be in the mid-40s with heavy rain, with new amounts up to 2 inches. Expect winds of 3 to 7 miles per hour, with gusts up to 22 miles per hour. The forecast for Friday is nearly identical, with a low in the low 50s and new precipitation amounts between 2 and 3 inches. Friday night, expect showers and thunderstorms that could produce heavy rainfall and a low around 48. Winds will clock in at around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 32 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, a winter storm watch is in effect from 10 tonight to 4 a.m. Sunday. This evening's forecast is for rain and snow, becoming just rain after 10. After midnight, the snow level of 6,700 feet is expected to rise to 7,700 feet. The high country will see lows in the high 20s and breezes, with southwest wind increasing to 15 to 20 miles per hour after midnight. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday, more rain with a high near 41 and the snow level rising above 8,000 feet. Winds could gust to 40 miles per hour. Friday night, more rain with a snow level of 8,600 feet and a low of 32. Winds from the southwest will be 20 to 30 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 50 miles per hour. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, rainy and breezy with a low around 49. New precipitation amounts up to half an inch are possible. Friday will be rainy with a high near 57 and winds around 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 28 miles per hour. Friday night, expect showers and possibly a thunderstorm with heavy rain, a low in the mid-50s, and wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. What is it about a change to a new page on the calendar that inspires us to want to exercise more, eat less sugar, and improve our skills at video games? KVMR's Julia Jem braves the rain to find some answers in today's Vocal Village. 
A new year brings with it potential opportunity for change, whether it be positive, negative, or a mix of both. While these changes may come regardless of controlled action, some individuals find motivation in making the decision to change something themselves, usually in the form of New Year's resolutions. The New Year's resolution originated in a religious context, and in the medieval era, knights would take a peacock vow at the end of the Christmas season to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. Some things have changed, but the core concept still holds true today. People want to apply hope and meaning to the start of the new year, especially if that involves potential self-improvement or a vow to continue acting in a way that they feel is advisable. This week, I wanted to learn about our community's goals going into 2023. I was also interested in hearing a bit about how often residents of Nevada County actually make New Year's resolutions, and if they usually stick to them. To accomplish this, I embarked to the streets of Penn Valley and Nevada City. I asked each person the same question. What, if anything, is your New Year's resolution? First, we have these three responses from Grandpa Mike, and two anonymous voices at the Penn Valley Library. What, if anything, is your New Year's resolution? Um, if anything, it would probably be to exercise more. Why is that? Um, it'd be good for me, make me feel better. My doctor would like me to exercise more. And do you normally <laughs> make New Year's resolutions? Uh, I have but they're hard to stick to. I mean, almost all of them all the time. You end up after a few months uh, avoiding them and moving on. Yeah. So what is your New Year's resolution? Running. Why is that? Because it would help me exercise. I want to get better <laughs> at video games because me and my friends play video games now days because of COVID and I want to get better so I can be better than my friends. Do you normally make New Year's resolutions? Not really. Not really? Why so? Uh, I don't really just think of them. Next, we hear from this anonymous voice in downtown Nevada City. I don't really have one because day to day I'm just so rushed. I don't came and believe it's changing to the new year, so I don't even have one yet. And last, we hear from Eve at the Nevada City Post Office. Uh, well, I hadn't actually made one, but if I do make one, I think it's to try and eat less sugar. Why is that? Because everything I read in the paper, including the union the other day, had a big article that you should sugar does all kinds of terrible things to you. But because I'm older, I don't really care what it does. But on the other hand, I don't want to overdose on sugar. I don't want it to be really super bad. So that's why. And do you normally make New Year's resolutions? Um, no, I don't do often. I mean, I think about making them, but I don't usually bother because I'm not good at following. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet Maybe a life is not made up of big celebrations. The New Year's Eve party, the wedding, the Queen of England laying a sword's flat surface on one of your shoulders, then the other. The first handful of dirt on a casket. 
Maybe instead it's all those cups of coffee at the kitchen window as morning rises into a clear sky and your face gazing over this field or that city, faintly reflected in the glass. Maybe a year is like a concertina, remembered when it's closed as the one in which your father died. But open it, let in some air, and there you are walking the two miles home from work to your sweet apartment near Wrigley Field, stopping sometimes to hit a bucket of balls at the driving range. You're wearing your dumb herringbone suit and pantyhose, the derrigueur adidas with white folded over socks, screaming, but you only know this now. It's the 80s. Truly what I remember most from three years in Chicago is the cardinal perched at the very top of the same tall tree, calling and calling as I walked to the bus or the grocer's. I remember the wind coming off that lake straight into my bone marrow. What happened in 1993, you ask yourself. Every day the tide came in and went out again, twice. Every day you did not kill yourself. Someone had to come home and feed Helen's cats. Or it was almost a full moon and you couldn't bear to miss the sight of it shining on the ocean, that path of clear, cold light between the moon and you. You even started to make yourself laugh, saying, oh, for God's sake, kill yourself later. Now you can swear that humor saved you, but back then salvation was up for grabs just about every hour. Humor and moonlight saved you, and a few friends, and writing words on the page. It's kind of like everything else. It's practice. You live another day, write another line, walk another mile at low tide, looking for sand dollars, and build yourself a life. As with any kind of repetition, once is not much, five times is a fluke, two hundred more gets interesting, and a thousand somehow becomes profound. People ask you how you became a poet, and you always want to laugh. They're innocent. They just want a good story. But there's only one boring answer. I wrote a lot of poems. Think of the cliches out there. It is what it is. It takes as long as it takes. The next sentence never gets said, but we all know it. After those resigned and uninspiring phrases, the silent words that follow are, keep going. This is what humans are good at. The morning coffee again, the long walk home, opening cans of cat food, watching the tide come in. So whoop it up on New Year's Eve if you want. Make resolutions, celebrate, knock yourself out. But don't forget to stop for a moment and remember who you actually are. I wasn't really a banker in Chicago in my 30s. I was the woman who listened to cardinals. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, December 29th. 
KVMR Community Radio gets support from Mowell Paint and Glass, supplying Nevada County with paints, stains, and supplies since 1949. Offering custom color matching, airless paint sprayer rentals, and a full-service glass shop for residential and commercial projects. M-O-U-L-E paintandglass.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Thanks for listening. Stay warm and safe, and remember to never drive through flooded areas. Join us Friday evening for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.